0: Where's the daggum mirror? Push? What the? The steel rod? How do you jump on that? Where am I? It's Universe on Amigos Everything Amiga Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Amigos Everything Amiga Podcast. Your weekly source for all that is, was, or could ever be Amiga. I'm your good pal, your good buddy, Amigo Aaron. Join this week as a substitute for a convention-attending boat. I give you
1: Brent. What's going on to Brent? How's it going, man? I am glad of all weeks to join you guys or to uh, usurp the throne. Mm. I am glad that it is this week. Why? <laughs> Good game. Good oh, oh, fun well, well, Fun game to talk about. Oh,
0: wait a minute. You're already ch- tipping your hand. This is when we talk about garbage, then we move along to tipping our hand. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about uh, the, the boat right now. Did you know where the boat's at? I believe he's in the Windy City. Yeah, that's right. He's up in Chi-Town. And yeah, he's, he's making a- it
1: just a little bit windier, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah.
0: He's, uh, he's up there hobnobbing with all of his band director buddies. They're having some kind of big... Band director uh, shindig up in Chicago. I've seen footage of this thing. They've got all sorts of uh, instrument peddlers. They've got all sorts of bands, band directors, the whole nine yards. boats in his element up there, having a good time. And uh, from what I've heard, when they close this thing, you know they they rent these halls by the hour. And so yep. I've been told that at the end of the, at the end of the uh, final day. They're going to get boat up on stage. He's going to do a little medley to clear that convention hall out like that. That's how <laughs> He's he going to sing it. the Patreons, and away they go. That's right. Now, Brett, how does it feel to be on Amigos uh, where there's not a dinosaur involved? Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, it, it is nice. It is nice. It's, it's rare. I yeah. mean, almost all of my Amigos viewing pleasure of me has dinosaurs involved. You Listen, are man, a I've, man. I've been up. For many, many hours. Yeah, Brent, go tell. bed now. It seems like several hundred.
0: Now, let me ask you, you know, uh, we are uh, literally one week away from Christmas Eve, Brent, as we record Absolutely. this. H- how is the Christmas shopping going? And more importantly, how many hundreds of dollars have you spent on my
1: gift this year? Christmas shopping has been steady uh, since <laughs> about this time last year, yeah. where I've done nothing.
0: So what is, what's your plan? How do you do
1: your Christmas shopping? Uh, I... I... I pray that the wife remembers everyone that I should be getting gifts for. No, actually, that's not true. This year, uh, I lucked into a, a, an amazing find and was able to do all my Christmas shopping uh, for friends, at least, in, in one, one fair swoop. So, is this one of those deals where you buy all your friends the same thing? Yeah. I
0: mm-hmm. knew it.
1: I but knew it. But it fits. It uh-huh. fits. Very yeah. rarely, Aaron, do I find something so amazing, so spectacular, that everyone will enjoy it equally. And this year, I've actually done that. My guess is you'll get me giving out dozens and dozens of empty wallets.
0: That's just a guess. <laughs> that's what that's what I figure is going to happen.
1: I, but, I have something to ask you, Mister. Wait, wait a minute. You've Mr. got banter. Okay, go ahead. I got to hear this. I would like to know where you are on your Christmas shopping. Listen. Some years,
0: I here. I'm gonna tell you the sad tale. Okay, oh, here goes. That's right. Get the violin out. There was a just a few short years ago. This was the time of the year that I had be. I would be uh, scrambling to find the cheapest conceivable things for the people I know because I had no money. And and the month or two before this, I would have been scrambling, hustling to to grab every cent I could and sell anything I could get hold of to sell. To make money for Christmas time, but uh, I got uh, the jobs going well. You know, I've got yeah, I've, I've yeah. been a good boy this year. One of the things about not uh, about the pandemic is you can't do anything or go anywhere. So <laughs> hey, I saved some money on that. And so this year, not only have I uh, been able to not break the bank, but I've got all my Christmas shopping completely done. What oh, do you think about that?
1: Hey, clappy clappy for
0: that. Thank In you. In all finally, honesty, clappy clappy recognition. Yeah, and guess what you're getting? Uh, em- empty wallet. It's what oh, you're getting. That's <laughs> Sorry, man. Now, let's go to the news. Bam.
1: Big news. Gamble train.
0: It's always nice to hear Boat belt that out. Gamble train. You don't get to hear that on your side, do you? I you're do not. Yeah, yeah I just a sat
1: here and assume there's something happening. Do yeah. you ever go back and watch the shows you're on? No, sometimes.
0: I yeah, would, sometimes. I, I wouldn't do that if I were you. So, sad news to start to kick off the news this week. Uh, a uh, Happy trails, if you will, to the Psygnosis co-founder. And I'm going to try not to butcher this fellow's name. Ian Hetherington. He has passed away. He was a uh, uh, one of the fellows that were at the heart of Psygnosis. Psygnosis, of course, being the uh, awesome and brilliant Amiga... Uh, publisher developer for many years went on to uh be part of sony and ultimately became part of Rockstar. uh the uh it's a great house they had a lot of great stuff uh, it's funny when i was re i was reading this earlier uh, about the, the poor passing of, the, of this fellow that uh you know he he came out of imagine do you remember we covered you actually covered them briefly uh, I think it was in, it was in your Bandersnatch uh, Absolutely. Uh, thing yep. a couple of weeks ago. He he came out of there, and he, of course, graduated from that m- madhouse into a far better-ran, more established, and longer-lasting crew. Gosh, I'm not going to go over all the Psygnosis titles. That it, w- <laughs> it would be here all week. Yeah, but I mean, just everything from Shadow of the Beast, the Lemmings, everything in between. These guys were publishing and producing top-shelf stuff, and listen, You can say what you want about the various qualities of their games, but they definitely cornered the market on style, brother. They had the style. They had the tunes. They had the feel and the look. In some ways, they established the Amiga cool. And I love it. I love everything from their box art uh, all the way down to their opening uh, cinematics. And despite what Boat says, they had plenty of really good games. They moved over to Sony and had some other great games. Uh, including Wipeout was theirs. And of course, Colony Wars. That's an underrated game. Did you ever play
1: that one on the. On I, the... Not with any uh, enough time in it to really say yes or no to it. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, it's funny. I've got an article here on uh, metro.co.uk. And at the bottom of it, they've linked Kim Justice's video on the story of Psygnosis. If you haven't seen this, it is outstanding. I, I want to once again put Kim Justice over. She can make one heck of a great documentary, and this is a real good one. Uh, I would definitely check this out. She's also got one on Imagine if you're into that; it's really good. So we uh, 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 happy trails to Ian, to Ian, uh, and uh, appreciative thanks to all you did, uh, my friend. All right, let's move along to uh, some Amiga Civic news here. At the Brent, uh, I found this out. This just popped. Uh, I believe this actually came out earlier today. It's from our good buddy Crazy Burger. I've gotten into this guy. Uh, he's been around. I mean, he's got a, he's way huge, but I'm not familiar with him until I stumbled across him from the last time I looked this over. They have finally revealed, Brent, all the games for the Amiga 500 Mini.
1: Oh, this must be very fresh news. I haven't it seen was. this they yet. They finally
0: released the last game. Now, if you are watching at home, you can sort of see him. but we'll kind of go over some of the games they've got on here. They've got Worms, Arcade Pool. Sentinel, Speedball Two, uh, Titus Fox, Alien Breed Special Edition, Dragon's Breath, Another World, Quack, uh, Zul, Simon the Sorcerer, Chaos Engine, uh, All Terrain Racing, Battle Chest. You should be happy about that with the Brent. Lost Patrol, Alien Breed, Project X, F-16. Uh, they've also got Kickoff Two, Pinball Dreams, California Games, and Brent. The one that they literally just announced, Stunt. Car racer will be. Oh, that's a must. Column. Now listen, all right. I heard some people that were eh, a little disappointed with that. You're fools, fools. You got to have stunt car racers. Oh, How yeah. much time we paid on that? Spent on that
1: one, the brand. Absolute. Oh, tons and tons of times. It's an absolute Amiga classic. Yeah. Uh, those are a. That's a good bunch of games. Is it missing some things that I think it needs to have on there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, they can't put on hundreds and hundreds of games i should uh, mention
0: paradroid 90 was also part of that cadaver <laughs> and supercars 2 listen it you can't have it all but you've got a good chunk plus they've already announced that you can add the whd loads to this thing and it's going to be a hot shot now uh, if you have an amiga with a triple vampire special stuck in there quasi pi pi Amiga 2000 output you don't need this thing But for people that never got to have an Amiga, can't afford an Amiga, uh, something like that, this is a great little setup. Now, I'm going to go off of the c 64 that they released. Same company. Everyone seems very happy with that. I suspect this is going to be a good package, and it'll be a lot of fun, thanks to my good pal, Rushi, over in Germany. I've already laid the down payment on one of these, the Brent. Uh, I'm going to take one of these things back to the pad when it comes out. Give it the once-over for a full... Full Aaron review. You know I'll be tough but fair. But uh, yeah, the 25th game uh stunt car racer. So check out Crazy Burger's channel. Uh he he knows what he's doing. Good guy. Now, next on the dock at the Brent. This is interesting. This is a fellow called Knowles Retro Lab, which is another big deal. I watched this uh last night. It's called Is the Cheapest Amiga Accelerator Any Good? Right. He gets into the old Pi-based Amiga accelerator and kicks the tires on it. Now I believe this is okay. the same. This is the same gimmick that our buddy over at, uh, Doug over at TenMark like hammered on a while back, uh, and then Chris Edwards, another one of our buddies, also did a video on this thing. A couple of them, I think. Uh, there, these were several months old, and so uh, time has passed. And as you would expect, with an accelerator that's based on the Raspberry Pi, uh, people have hammered away on this thing and have uh, made, made a lot of progress on it. And uh, Noel goes through this quite nice. He gives you a quick installation on it, and he, he's he got a very cunning plan. Instead of going through all the uh, manual installation, he just goes and gets a, a pie image and sticks it on there and shoots it in the Amiga, wham, bam, Bob's your uncle. It's in. <laughs> it's like lickety-split. I'll, I'll, so that's probably the way you want to do it. Uh, he fires this thing up. He plays games on it. He does a little compare and contrast with the different... Uh, games you have available. This thing gives you a lot of options. Uh, the brand—I don't—I know you haven't really followed this, but you know about the Amiga. Amongst the other things it gives you is 128 megs of fast memory. It allows you to run up to a, a 68040, uh, or excuse me, 6060, I think it was. Uh, it, and you can change your the type of Amiga processor you've got in this thing. Uh, It gives you the ability to use an uh, SD hard drive support, which is nice. This will go into a 1000. It lets you pick your ROMs. So this would be a nice little gimmick for the Amiga 1000. Uh, And he kicks the tires on this thing and has very little bad to say about it. He's very impressed with it. I have a feeling, as we suspected they would, that they've done a good job in uh, advancing these as they they have uh, matured from a software perspective. There's even a way you can use the networking on the Pi to set up a shared drive between your Amiga and the PC, which mm. and that's really slick, I think. Yeah. Uh, and of I wonder course, how slow it is, though. Well, it's who cares? It's not that slow. At the end of the day, you've got your crap transferred <laughs> without having to do anything.
1: Now, you, I, here I have two questions, and I don't right. know if you'll be able to answer these. I will or not try. Either. Yeah. <clears throat> how user friendly is this thing? Well, having watched him put this in.
0: It looked pretty, pretty good, and I've seen other people do it. Listen, it, the, here's the thing: Are you comfortable with a Linux terminal box where you have to go in there and type stuff? No, me either. How, okay, let me ask you my ask the question: If you see some sucker show you how to d- exactly what to type, all right, and
1: tell you what to do, do you think you could pull it off? Yes. Okay, that it's that hard. Well, okay, I'm not so- talking about the installation part. I'm talking about its functionality after the fire. Oh, well,
0: no, it, it seemed pretty straightforward after it was in there, and he ran a
1: bunch of stuff and seemed to have uh, real good luck. In fact, he, he told, didn't have to go and fiddle in between things he was doing. And Well, you
0: never know for sure, but from what he said, he didn't really have any trouble getting anything to run. Uh, he said there was maybe a couple things that that were uh, based on timing, that but right. for the most part, he, he had pretty good success. Mm. Uh, I think it's interesting. It even gives you the ability to use a retargetable graphics uh, and there's future stuff that it can do, so it's and it's definitely cheap. Now, it's not as cheap as it was because the chip shortage has made everything rise up. At one time, you could get this thing for fifteen bucks. You buy yourself a twenty-five dollar Raspberry Pi and for fifty bucks, plus the cost of SD cards. You're in right. Those days have gone. Uh, everything has went up, and so you're probably looking at somewhere under. You're probably let's just be our let's say in the U.S. dollars. You you got a hundred bucks in this thing now. Oh. Well, hold on a second. If you consider that uh, uh, most accelerators are going to cost you double or triple that for the same sort of functionality, that's a pretty good deal. And if, you've got, if you're if you one of these people that have the uh, Raspberry Pi sitting around, you need all the better. You've saved yourself some money. Like I got a couple of Raspberry Pis kicking around, you know, if I were to get one of these things. So it's something to think about if you're looking for, uh, you know, inexpensive acceleration. And the good thing is, you, the more people that buy these, uh, the more chance of it becoming. Um
1: widely supported. Sharper.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, along these lines, Brent, our next news item I dug up. This is a fellow I've never heard of, but I've I dug his uh I dug his video. It's called Hold and Modify. You may know that as ham, Brent. The old ham video files are back in the day graphics. Nope, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you had an amiga in the house. How could you be so stupid? I can't figure out what happened. I think
1: I was like twelve. Uh So that was a lot of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, whatever, man. So anyway, uh, Hold Modify here got himself a Vampire Firebird. That wins the Cool Name contest right there. Now, the Firebird is sort of a similar gimmick. This is actually made by the people that make the Vampire. uh, Sure. The uh, the Apollo people. And this is a card that fits into your... um, into your Amiga five five hundred 2000 it fits in the sixty eight thousand slots, Sort of similar to what we just talked about, right? <clears throat> this is a more substantial bit of kit, though. This comes with a uh, um, a another SD solution. You know, it's got the it's got the CF card slot on it. It's got uh, various ports. It's got uh, uh, it does a lot of the same stuff that the other one does. And he plugs this thing in. Now, this one, it's funny to watch this video because about halfway through it, I like watching just, it's just the same reason I like Chris Edwards' channel so much. Um, now, Chris Edwards has a lot on this guy. But I, it's a real guy screwing with these things in real time. I like that. Right. you watch all these YouTube guys, and they're doing all this crazy crap. Well, it's hard. And you screw <laughs> up. Things go south. You know I'm talking about, the Brent?
1: You learn the most by watching someone's pitfalls, because then when you get into that pitfall, you know what to do.
0: Yeah, plus you get a good chuckle. You know, I like because it's wacky, it's funny. Well,
1: I, I don't laugh at others' miseries. So. I do.
0: Well, sometimes it's funny. It's okay in this case. So oh, they're I'm watching, okay. I'm watching Ham install this thing here, and he gets it in. You know, and he he's got one of these standalone vampire. They make a standalone vampire like computer. Basically, it's an Amiga standalone clone system. Sure. He just takes the card out of that and puts it in this. They said you could do it, right? So he fires this thing up the first time, and it comes up, and it says, like, yeah, you you got to boot with this other thing first. And so he goes to boots with the other thing, and right in the middle of fooling With It, the whole system locks up, and it never will come on again. And so he goes, well, he goes, I've done it again. I've destroyed another $100 item for the A multi hundred dollar item. He goes, If you want anything destroyed, just send it to me. I'll kill it dead. (laughs) He goes, Well, at least it got here quick. I mean, I'd have to wait a long time to destroy it. I was laughing. (laughs) And so, what he found out was he ended up getting this to work. And what he did was there's a clip on one of the chips, and it was giving, it was putting just enough upward pressure on the whole board to make some of the chip pins not click right in the 68,000 socket. So once he removed that clip, everything sat down flat. Wham, bam, Bob's your uncle. He was in business, and he got this thing up and running. He was so happy, ah. and I was happy for him. Oh, absolutely! And this looks like a tight little uh, uh, little performer as well here with the Firebird, and he's got a link here uh, to uh, get you. Let's see what these are going for, just for fun. Uh, the brand, because we know what the other things are going for. Whoa, oh, ho ho, 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 lordy! Well. If I had thought I had destroyed that, I would be less jovial than this dude. <laughs> so for those at home or listening to radio, you we, we just checked on the price of the Fire Apollo Firebird V4, 436 euros. Now let's see how what is that in US dollars here? Like, like uh
1: here. 510 I think,
0: 520. Well, let's I'm going to look officially here. I'm not going to take us I know your math is not your uh, strong suit. Let's see here what we got here. Five hundred and twelve US dollars, the Brent. So that's 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 what we call in West Virginia. That's called folding money. No, uh, no,
1: that's called retirement fund. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: that's good money. Listen, uh I saw Frank make a comment about my radio comment. Listen, I hesitate to call this a podcast because I've never liked I've never been comfortable with that term. It's a radio show. Just because Apple come up with an iPod, I don't have to pay homage to them by calling it a podcast. All right, let's get
1: back on the rails there. I'm boat, sorry. Willie. I just
0: wanted to mention that. Anyway, I was thinking about that in the car today. on driving back from prison. All right. Anyway, so there you go. The uh, Apollo Fireboard. Let's see what this thing does while we're here. Uh, it's a 6880. Holy smokes. I don't think that even existed. 512 DDR3 RAM. Uh, look at all the stuff it's got on here. It's got, it's got RTG video. It's got a sound, uh, a real nice sound set up. Two... IDE controller, a USB port, 100 uh, megabit Ethernet port. Pretty nice, uh, the Brent, uh, if you ask me. But, I mean, good lord, 500 bucks. Oof, that's a spicy meatball, that, that, bro. That's a tough sell. That's a tough sell. But, hey, listen, if you're a big-time Amiga maniac, you're trying to squeeze all the crap. Can you imagine something like that in Amiga 1000? That's like putting a Ferrari engine in a Pinto. I mean, it's unbelievable. Good God. Anyhow, I mentioned if if you've if you have one of these uh if you have one of these firebirds, because I remember when he, we announced these, uh if you have one of these or, or uh, uh have experience with them, drop us a note here in the in the uh YouTube or send us an email. I like to hear what that you're about. That way we'll know who it. to ask for a loan. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding, eh? All right, next on the docket uh the Brent. You know, we know this guy. He's a little guy, he's an elf like guy, in fact. He's named Doug. He runs a little show called the 10, 10 mark ten minute Amiga retrocast this week. He is he's kind of entering into our zone here and getting on a game review. And this time around, it's the Turbo Santa game. The Brent. I've always thought Santa was a little slow. Well, he used to Tur- pick up the pace. I watched uh, Turbo Santa. Uh, uh, you know the the review of this, and by the way, he features his son Daniel. Does Daniel have a? I was I mentioned this in fact in the comments that Daniel's got a gray head of hair. I've always wanted to have the nice curly locks, you know. I, when I was a young lad, a baby, I had the real nice red, curly red hair. I don't know what happened over the years, but man, I, don't, I would kill for that. Anyway, uh, Doug competes with his son at Turbo Santa in this edition of Ten Mark, and he uh, he gets humbled. Uh, the Brent, uh, he, he gets mightily humbled. What do you think of it? You're, this is the first time you're seeing Turbo Santa, I'm guessing.
1: I it's fast. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is. Turbo is very uh aptly named. I have also got it on two times the playbacks. So that could <laughs> that could be affecting the overall speed of the game to a certain degree. So that might <laughs> wait. Maybe you had two times playback on that price. Maybe maybe it wasn't as bad as we thought. <laughs> That's what
0: it was. We were just seeing the same <laughs> price doubled up. That's what it was. Even still, that would be expensive. So, anyway, check this out. Uh, this is our good buddy, Doug. I noticed Doug had one of uh, the boat postcards in the background, which I love. You know, think about it, Brent. You made a 10-mark appearance. You didn't even know it. You're in that little postcard back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that's the end of that podcast. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Doug, always a good time. And uh, a good, timely game review here with Turbo Santa. I believe this is the Christmas version of Turbo Tomato, which is another a really nice-looking game that uh, – uh, we're gonna probably have a look at somewhere down the line. Uh, Ten mark, check them out. Last but not least, the Brent. I want to uh, hype our buddies' uh, charitable event here. Uh, Bo touched on this. Uh, we briefly touched on it last week. This is snow. Uh, this is a new game that's been released, and this is a charity game. the uh, the the The, the uh, proceeds of this will be donated to Crisis. Uh, it's called Snowed Under. Our buddy Alan did this. He's uh happy gaming. He's you would also know him from his incredibly fine Asteroids uh, game for the ZX Spectrum. I think me and you played that on. Uh, did we play that on uh, the Thanksgiving marathon? Didn't we, Brent? It's very possible. We Asteroids. <clears throat> this looks great. Uh, again, this is a charity event. You can go to Chronosoft.FWSCart.com. That's cart. We'll link it at the bottom of the old screen here.
1: So you Just can out of curiosity, out. Aaron, what yeah. all, is that a, a single release title, or is it going to be multi-platform? It's funny. Well, yeah, I think it's strictly for the Spectrum, but it does have different versions. There's
0: an emulator version you can you can pick up for five pounds, and then you've got a cassette version. Just It's going to be available uh, on the 30th of this month, a cassette version for £10. That's a heck of a bargain, right there. £10 you get the Absolutely. physical cassette. The cassette also comes with uh, a free emulator version. You can pre order the cassette and receive the emulator version right now. Bam. There you go. He says all problems, at the very least, £4.20 in each case will be donated to the charity Crisis. So that's great. Here's the flavor text. I'm going to sweeten the deal here. It's November 30th, and young Tim has made a terrible mistake tricked into opening a window in his advent calendar a day early by Santa's evil brother, Krampus. That's that's a little uh, revisionist history there. He triggers an extra-dimensional portal and is pulled inside. That sounds familiar, like today's game. He now finds himself trapped in a Christmas nightmare. His only hope of escape is to make his way through each day of the calendar, collecting the stars that will unlock the window that leads to the next one. If he can reach December twenty-fifth and unlock it, he will be free of the spell and his Christmas will be saved. However, if he's not, the Krampus minions are determined to freeze him out. And if they succeed, Tim will find himself snowed under. Destined to become one of them forever. So grab that snowball, Tim. You have twenty five days to save. I love it.
1: Aaron, as great. someone who in the past has written uh stories <laughs> I knew you uh, were gonna say advent so. calendars. Yeah. Yeah, I, I,
0: I wholeheartedly support this plot. Listen, I knew you were going to mention that. <laughs> uh, you, it's funny you've mentioned that twice now. Once when you mentioned it was the lowest rated thing we'd ever put out in the channel, <laughs> and then once, so you probably milked. Are you going to re? You going to re-release that this Christmas? The, I might. I might. Uh, I'll wrap it up. Let's put it this way, Brent. Your production of that Advent Calendar movie—it was not released. It escaped. If you know what I mean. <laughs> so, please, one more time, head over to Krennicsoft. FWScart.com. Take care of our buddy and give to charity. This is the time of the season, Brent. You gotta give the charity, man. I love that. So whew, that was a lot of news, Brent, but we're not quite done. Because I've oh. got a little more news. And it's news about bam! Our good buddy Frank over at Retro Rewind. Brent, yes. give, give him the hard pitch
1: on Frank. Well, here's the problem, Aaron. If I do that, I'll have to give the the wrong code. And then, uh, then everything will fall apart. I'll do a that part. But I can tell you right part. now, Retro Rewind everything that you need for your C64 and your Amiga needs all in one place. And also, mm-hmm. he has just started adding stuff for the Coco. Correct. So <clears throat> he is literally. He, he, it's like he's following our channels around. He's like, oh, okay, they need this now. Boink. Boink, I hear, I hear he's got
0: hardware coming out for the game.com. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe I misheard I, that.
1: Frank wouldn't stoop that low. <laughs> no. Listen. But yeah, if you need components, if you need uh, controllers, chips, and all the things to make those things work, uh, RetroRewind.ca is absolutely the place you should go. Absolutely. And, and... Would you like to save
0: money on his already low, outrageously low basement low prices? You can. It's a stunning revelation, Brent. If you use the special holiday code, TISAMIGOS, that's T-I-S, AMIGOS, you will receive 10% off your order, plus whoever's show gets the most orders under the special holiday promo code, that show will receive uh, a couple $50 gift shirts to give away. We're not keeping them. We would be the biggest scumbags on earth. We they were giving these to you. Courtesy of Frank is his way of saying thank you. And all the money given this holiday season. Frank is gonna donate a portion to his local uh his local food bank food
1: bank, yes. To
0: help out those poor, unfortunate folks who struggle this time of year. You know, that is a cause near and dear to our heart. I see it quite often, especially when I'm out in Kentucky. This is a tough time of the year. Uh, and, Absolutely, you know. And of course, we're really getting to double trouble out in Kentucky with those horrible tornadoes that hit last week. Just devastating. So this is this is the time of the year that you give a little, and in this case, you give a little and you get a little. It's double
1: trouble. Yeah, Brent, actually, so you give a little, you get a ton. Yeah. So again, and Aaron, I'm going to save you 10 percent on your uh, retro rewind code with T I S A R G. Just no, throwing we, that out there. Now, listen, that's another show. Get out of
0: here. You Don't double pollinate the codes. So, again, that's retrorewind.ca, promo code Amigos. Save 10% on all your C64, Amiga, Coco, CDTV, CD32. It's all there. Just go out and check it out. Now, Brent, woof, that was a lot. With all that said, are you ready to embark on this week's chosen game? I am. Now you're ready. This week's game is called Universe. Brent, man, yes. a sweeping name if I ever heard one. Uh, and I think a well deserved name in this case Universe. Now, had you ever heard of this or played this before, the Brent?
1: I have never played
0: this before this week, no. Okay, me either. In fact, I never heard of this. Uh, this was released uh, on the Amiga in '94. So this was sort of a later release. Uh, this came out on five flopparous, five floppy disks, or you could get the one disk CD32 version. Uh, this was no. a this is a uh, uh, this would work with the CD32. Although to be honest with you, and I didn't play that version because I wanted to use yeah, uh, I didn't either. I, I don't like the idea of using the uh AME, the CD32's controller to play this. That's pretty sure. horrible.
1: But, horrible.
0: I mean, I mean you could hook a mouse up to the CD32, but, eh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, this is a, uh, a game developed by Core. Now, you've probably heard of Core. If you if you have an Amiga or don't live under a rock, uh, their, Demi- their Amiga titles included such luminary uh, titles as Banshee, which was great, the Chuck Rock series, uh, Jag XJ-220, the Rick Dangerous series, the god-awful Switchblade, and of course, the uh, TH, uh, Thunderhawk AH-73M game. Uh, and this was, of course, this was also published by Core, because they were also a publisher. Um, there were not a, there were, it's funny, the credits on they roll forever, but I just yes. kind of, I kind of wrote down the, the particulars for the top guys. The uh, coder on this was a guy named Gary Antcliffe. Uh he was responsible for Alien World, Blast, Thunder, Bomb Fusion, uh, Dragonstone, uh, a Yogi Bear game and a Scooby and Scrappy Doo game. Uh the graphics were done by a, ga- a guy named Jim uh uh Botanley. He's also listed as Gary Botnley, and also listed under another name. So I don't know, I'm not 100 percent sure what this guy's name is. <laughs> he, <laughs> uh, he uh he he really this is all he ever did as far as I could tell. Uh, another graphic guy, Rolf Moore, uh, who worked on a game called Curse of Enchantia and Dragonstone. This Curse of Enchantia came, comes up a lot. It was also a game done by uh, Core, and this was also a point-and-click game. So I, I wonder if we're not going to tackle this one somewhere down the line. Uh, lastly on the graphics, Stuart Atkinson, who worked on Cur- uh, uh, Curse of Enchantia. The music was done by Martin Iverson. Who did a lot of the stuff for Core, Banshee, Agony, Bubbin' and Sticks, the Chuck Rocks, uh, the, uh, X, uh, the Jaguar XJ22 or uh, XJ220, the Heimdall series, the Deja Vu series, a lot of stuff, plus tons more for Martin. Edwards. it's funny, I don't, I don't think me and Bo have really talked much about him, but he was another one of these guys who did like a million billion soundtracks, Brent. Uh, and then I wanted to throw this in the box art on this, which is pretty neat uh was done by Rolf Moore. He also worked on and Curse of Enchantia and Dragonstone. Okay. I've been talking for a while, but so I'm gonna turn the range over to you. Give people uh a, an idea of what this game is about and what and what the uh what the gameplay consists of.
1: Well in Universe you start out in a storybook type narrative and it talks about how your your mother wants you to get away from the computer a a nondescript computer, and and go and take some mail to your uncle. So you reluctantly go and do your mother's wishes, and it's freezing outside, and you keep falling down. This is all in storybook, by the way. And uh, you finally make it to your uncles, and your uncle's happy to see you, and you find out that your uncle is this uh, over-the-top, like, science-slash- Guru tech guy, like a Doc Brown type. Yeah, and you know. he's 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 fiddling around. He's got all these machines and stuff everywhere. And he asks you if you want some tea, and he goes off and makes your tea. And your character says, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to go and look around. There's so much stuff. I want I want to see what's all going on." And he sets into an egg like shape and uh, hits a button, and bam, he is teleported away from his uncle's house, onto an asteroid out in space, out in nondescript space. No, he's completely uh, light years away from home. And the adventure uh, starts out being, how are you going to get back home? You know, your character uh, gets over the fact that he's been teleported to another dimension uh, pretty quickly. And he says, "You know what? This isn't a dream. I'm actually here. What am I going to do to get home?" And that's how the story starts and progresses, and kind of motivates you throughout your play. Very good.
0: You know, I, I will say the very beginning of this game reminded, in terms, because it's like the Brent said, is a storybook as it flips through. Very wings-like, sort of reminded me of the big book and wings <laughs> when the pages flip through. Sure. The, the opening of this is as generic as you could get in terms of the uh, setup for it. Uh news flash, if your bumbling scientist uncle isn't looking, don't just go get his random stuff. That was a dumb move. <laughs> I couldn't help but think of Flash uh uh out of this world whenever this game started up because here's here's a guy that takes a he's uh, a portal due to weird science, transports into a an alien world, you know. It's the same kind of setup. Absolutely. Of now yeah, it is. When you uh, I want to get into the uh, opening of this a little bit, and then I want to get into the, how the game looks and feels. The opening of this game sort of belies the fact that this game's actually a, quite a looker uh, when, it, when it actually boots past the uh, opening part with the book and whatnot. Uh, this game uh, really pulled off uh, some awesome graphics. These were sort of, and I've tried to read an explanation for how the graphics of this work, they were sort of like they were sort of like a a graphical trick to sort of simulate to a, a two hundred and fifty six color display yes. on an Amiga, and it, I will say whatever they did, whatever trickery they used, I've heard copper in there and so on. It worked uh, in terms of, of the graphics of this. Once you get past that opening part, they are I would say I would be hard pressed to find a game with better looking graphics in in this genre. And that's a, up against a pretty stiff competition. Uh, yeah, did, yeah the graphics of, on
1: this are phenomenal.
0: Yeah, they're uh, real good.
1: <laughs> it's it it gives you it has all these strange hues, and that's something that is a uh, uh, very consistent through the entire game. It, yeah, it goes off these very strange hues, which makes the environments feel alien. Yeah, no matter what they're putting up on screen, uh, even if you are in a a monorail station or a spaceship, or you're on a planet. The hues and the colors and the tones are all this weird I don't know, almost like shaded tones. And uh it, it has a very neat effect. Yeah. It very much lends the game for its alien feel. Yeah, you know, uh there was a game there there was this feel from science fiction in like the seventies
0: or the early, or even like the early, early eighties, but most of the seventies as well, stuff like a heavy metal or something. Where the universe felt like this, just crazy, bizarre, uh, uh, you know, off the wall area. In this game, you get a little bit of that feel to it. I mean, it's like especially when you get into the towns with the aliens and stuff and the robots, all this crazy stuff. It's got a, it's got a, a, a real neat feel to it, and then there's almost sort of a ethereal, like a watercolory look to it. I mean, whoever they got, the people that worked on this from an art perspective, they nailed it. And and on top of that, the animations in it, because, yes, you're looking at mostly still static backgrounds, but they're not all like that. There's a lot of backgrounds that are animated that look great. The when your guy moves around, he looks great. They have other stuff that happens uh, on the scenes that look real good. I mean, someone meticulously took their time. And animating and drawing all this stuff, and it really... I mean, it's amongst the best titles we've seen on the Amiga, in my opinion. Absolutely,
1: yeah. The, the, the graphics on this are just phenomenal.
0: So, let's talk about how the game works. Now, we've covered uh, Monkey Island on here, and we've covered a bunch of different games on here that have this point and click, you know, uh, Simon Sorcerer, and a, a ton of other ones, uh, uh, the Amazon Queen, and this, uh, the, of course, this has its own system. It's not a scum engine or anything else. Um, this is a less elegant, l- very, very less elegant uh, point-and-click game than w- we've seen. It's the, is it the worst? It in some ways it is, but it's in some ways it's not. It, I mean, it could be better. Uh, the uh, the bottom of the screen, it, it has the stuff you would normally see. it, it has, look. And g- grab and and stuff, but it's also got this uh, extra bonus uh, square you can click on that has a sub menu in it. I, yeah, think, it's, I think it's options, and then options are stuff like are like combine, uh, push, pull, jump, wear. Like there's a bunch Eat. of eats. Is another one, yeah. <laughs> and which is fine. I wouldn't have had that big a problem with that if it wasn't for the fact that almost instantly you're confronted with a a, a a puzzle that requires you to jump. And we should mention that some of the elements of this game are not, they require instant action. Like, there are action elements to the game. In fact, there's even what I would consider an arcade, a couple arcade elements to the game. that yeah. requ- And so you can't, there's no uh, pausing
1: the game, doing what you want. I mean, you have to act uh, early on in the game. Well, th- now, now wait a minute, wait Go a ahead. minute. There are sometimes when you go into the menu that it almost always it stops the action on screen. Right, but it's 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 a, a bummer,
0: or it when you're trying. I'll give an example, <clears throat> and you I, you know I know what I'm talking about here. At the very beginning of the game, there's a point where you're on this planet where you have to jump on this spinning asteroid. All right, yes, in low gravity. So what it requires you to do is get to a point where you know the asteroid's coming. Go down to your menu. Click on jump. Make sure the jump icon's up on your on your cursor, and then you've got to jump at the right time in real time to get on this meteor. And if you don't, you would have to wait till it comes all the way back around, or you have to run past it and then do the whole thing again. That's
1: sort of true. Oh, go it, ahead. It is not. It's not platforming at this point. No, not here. It's not platforming. But <clears throat> you can jump. And miss your mark Yes, (laughs) uh, at at this point in the game. But it's not like it's making you do it yourself. It's not like Super Mario Brothers. Uh, You just have to point ahead of the meteor because the guy is going to actually jump where you're pointing. So if you point at the back of the rock, you will jump and then the meteor will continue past where you're jumping and you'll miss your jump. And that's that in that really that is in terms of
0: the real-time acts, that's the easiest one. I think they get they get a little more hairy as you go on this it always bugs me when a point-and click game adds real-time elements. Now, I will say this uh in, in the defense of that in this game every time they did it that I saw, it made sense, and they were implemented to at least where it was you it didn't take a super genius to do it, but it still was irritating. Um, we should mention, uh, your guy's name is Boris, which I thought was an interesting choice. <laughs> I don't well, know if he's... Well, you're his- Russian,
1: so it makes sense. Right, do
0: well, still, his name's Boris. Um, uh, so his name's Boris Vern, by the way. That's his full name. So, basically, what Brent said is, uh, exactly right. You're kind of dumped on this planet, you start off, and your whole goal is to basically get to the space city. So you can really get the adventure started. Now, I'm gonna get to the second problem I had with the game was... It's especially at the beginning. It's funny, I think the beginning of this game cursed it because I did not have, I had problems further in, but the beginning irritated me. Uh, Eventually, you jump down to this barren planet and you can walk around. Now, in most games, you're going to move left or right. Occasionally, there'll be depth to the scene. In this game, a lot of the scenes have north, south, east, and west controls where you you can walk off into the distance and it switches screens. That took me a while to get used to. And so right away in this game, I got lost uh, for a long time before I could even figure out about getting on the meteor or even find my way back to getting on the meteor. You
1: know, and you're talking the first 10 minutes of the game here. Yeah. Did you have any trouble like that? No. Why? I I I saw what it was doing almost instantly and was able to figure out that the planet is actually a 4 by 4 grid and just work from that. It was it was wacky. I, I it, it was, was different. It yeah, was different. I figured it
0: out. Yeah, uh, I will say it. I like the effects that. I mean, it does give the game a lot more simulated area coverage by doing it that way. It's kind of neat to see your guy walk off into the distance, and he actually scales when he comes. You know, yeah. by, it's pretty cool. Uh, you can also sort of double click and make your guy run. I appreciated that because I got, I got sick yeah. of watching this guy slowly walk, and that's sort of a pet peeve of mine in a lot of these games, where you have to sit and watch the guy walk. <clears throat> let's get to the let's get to the meat of my problem with this game, and I want to hear what you have to say about it. Okay. And the, and this is the the this game made itself too difficult to play, I think, because of the interface. Uh, there's a point early on, and uh, the only reason I got past this is because I had to go figure out what I was doing wrong. There's a point early on where you're trying to gain uh, access to a control panel and an antenna, okay? And I had a metal rod, and I tried everything to get this metal rod to yank off this piece. And everything, there's a hand on the screen representing your pointer, and it sort of gives you a thumbs up when you did something right, and a thumbs down when you did something wrong. And I got the thumbs down a lot. Trying to figure out this <laughs> basic puzzle, and I thought to myself, yep. "Okay, clearly I don't need to use this metal rod on here." Then I figured out after reading the uh, a cheat, you had to insert the rod in a weird way. It was, and I would, and I just didn't guess the right way. So I was doing the right thing, but I hadn't done it the way the game wanted, and the game wouldn't allow me to progress. And that yeah. was a reoccurring theme. I had trouble there. I had trouble working the computers in the bedroom up ahead. I had trouble working in the car. And I would sit there, and it would be so frustrating to try to... I was doing what I knew was right. That's what made it worse. But I could not make the controls do what I wanted them to do because there are so many weird controls. They actually... One thing Flight of the Amazon Queen did was they simplified the control boxes. And in a lot of ways, that made it a better game because there was less... Crap! You had to go through to do the things that you could tell you were
1: supposed to do. What about yeah. you? I enjoyed the graphics of this game. I enjoyed <laughs> what, the sound of this game. Not, okay, I'm sorry. Go I ahead. enjoyed the sound in this game. The music in this game is absolutely off the charts. <clears throat> I oh no, it's really good. Well, it right.
0: got old it, out on that planet because I heard that I heard those that noise a lot.
1: Because it, I, it the music's really good. Yeah. Um. I personally. Really liked the interface. I liked that you right click; it brought up your choices at the bottom, yeah. and you were able to click and 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 uh, manipulate what you wanted to do from that. <clears throat> I really enjoyed that you could double click to run. But here's where the game falls apart, and it falls apart in two ways that are absolutely killer when it comes to point and click. All right, thing number one: the game is nonsensical. It has you doing things that just do not make any sense to get outcomes that even after you do them do not make any sense. It expects you... Now, I did not have the manual, so maybe there are parts of the manual where this is explained. But when you are interacting with the very first device and you are basically hacking a computer for all intents and purposes you are you are are put up against dozens of choices dozens of options with absolutely no direction on yes. what to what to do to make what you need to do happen i knew what i needed to do i knew i needed to extend this bridge this air duct right i knew that's what i needed to do there was no question but the game wanted me to choose where I was at, what node I was at, what function to happen, and the choices for each one were huge. I was so annoyed. I was so annoyed by that. And it was a huge turn-off so early in the game. At any point in the game, it would be a turn-off. But it was such a huge turn-off at the very beginning of the game. The second sin that this game commits that is absolutely unforgivable are there are too many action choices they could yes. have they could have limited this to 5 or 6 choices and it would have been fine you could have had just as much fun you could have had just as much adventure you could have had just as many options but when they had literally a dozen or more options it made the game a point of, I know what I need to do. Now, how do I tell the game what I need to do? That is the absolute pits when it comes to point and click. Yes, that is. I agree with everything you said right there. Uh, it, and that's, that.
0: those two elements of the game. Listen, there are parts of this game. I went through the first time, no cheats. Okay? The first time I played it, because that's where I, I don't want to, because if, if you've got all the stuff written down in front of you, it kind of takes away... Then you
1: just... Yeah, you might yeah. as well just watch the game being played, which I and did do eventually, but...
0: I oh, i got... I got off the moon at the beginning. I got... I got... I managed to get to the satellite dish, and I tinkered with that dish forever, and yeah. I... Fi- so I finally looked up a hint to get that going. Yep. Okay, I... Same, I put, so far, same I thing. The, I put the hints away. I went to the planet, Okay. Uh, I got I got to the planet. I got shot by the lasers at that door. Okay, and so then I was like, okay, now what do I do? And so the answer is nothing. That's when I was like, well, I'm gonna have to get some help. Uh, and to put a, a cherry on top of the Sunday that Brent was talking about in terms of the actual uh, method of the game, there's a there's a mirror you have to get to bypass a door right away. And the mirror is in a trash exhaust pipe that you just, you can go to, but only after you turn off this certain uh, computer element on the very first console. There's no way you could have had any idea no what No way, doing. no
1: chance, unless it's in the manual. Yeah. And if it's in the manual, I at least take that part of my feelings about the game back. I couldn't find a manual for this game. I did and, find a manual, and I found a full solution.
0: But the, listen, you should have to read the manual for this stuff. You know, I mean, I, I don't like that. Uh, the that so that right there, just the fact that when you turn on the very first thing, it's got like fifty options. Now, it, it's a it's a it's a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is it makes you feel like you're in this immense thing, a big limitless universe, which is good. But it's overkill, you know, because you really have you've just started the game for God's yeah. sakes. You know, couldn't they just had activate bridge to get you past that part and then you could say, okay, we'll tackle this.
1: Well, I don't mind it being complicated. I just there has to be work there has to be, you know, solutions to the problem that make sense. If the air duct would have said what sector I was in, and then I could type that sector in the computer, if the air duct would have said uh what planet it was uh, uh you know Featuring so maybe graffiti on it, I and then something I could I could put that into the computer. Yeah, I would have been fine with it. I looked around forever, not being able to know how to get that thing to extend because I didn't know what sequence it wanted me to put in the computer. I just hit the first one and it was it worked. I was like, yes, right. But how did? But how do I you know guessed. it's the first? I one? guessed. I know it. Yeah, I guessed. but and that that should not be how it is. Well, I and know. I know from my I, I did watch this entire game. I did too. Uh, And here's the problem. There is a good... There's a a fun... I don't know about good, but there's a fun story here. The way... And I'm not going to spoil anything, but the way it evolves and what it becomes is fairly interesting. Uh, There was a lot of good ideas here, but you can tell from the gameplay later into the game that this nonsensical, just do-it-because-we-said-so mentality never cleans up. It's always present. And since it's always present, I I eventually was just like, you know what? Why am I doing this? I played for several hours. I made very little progress. And it was due to things that the game just wanted me to do because it felt like I needed to do it. It made no sense. Here's the other thing, Aaron. And I know you you, you work, took off the control panel, right, on the satellite? You got past that. Oh, yeah, I got way past that, yeah. <clears throat> I, I knew that that control panel had to come off because of the other items you found on that moon, right? Yeah. So I knew what it wanted me to do. I actually chose the proper thing to take the control panel off, but as my guy was walking to the control panel... He got hung up on a part of the the environment and oh. stopped moving, and I I immediately thought, okay, that's not what I'm supposed to do. Oh, I see. You didn't go around so, it, yeah. So I because you have to
0: be in the front to do it, right? Yeah. And I
1: was off to the side, and he started to come around. I noticed that. he even stopped. gives you a
0: thumbs up. I, I I I did that too. I just but I moved. I figured I'll move him around. But yeah, it even tells you you did the right thing, but then nothing happens.
1: I right, that, and, yeah. and that that. Very bad. Very bad. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I was convinced that I had passed that step because my guy moved. I got the thumb. Yeah, and up. and you can't really tell if the panel's off or not. Right. Yeah, I, and I, I... I was like, okay, I must have done something right there. Now I'm going to take the circuit board and put it in. Right. And it kept on saying, no, you can't, no, you can't. And I had to look up that part, which is in the first 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. And I felt stupid looking it up. I was like, why can yes. I not figure this out? I used to be good at these. What's going on? Yeah. And I looked it up, and I saw that the the person did the exact same thing that I did, but it worked. And so I, I went back to the game. I tried it again. It worked. And then I'm just mad. I'm mad that I knew what I... I'm not an idiot, at least not in this case. And the reason why it failed had nothing to do with me. And it was such a turn off that it really killed the game for me. And I kept playing after that until uh I, I got to the same door thing and I couldn't figure out the, the where to find the mirror at. Yeah. Uh so that was that's where I was done was yeah. which was like what 30 well, well, minutes I got into the I got game? way past
0: that. Yeah. So <coughs> the the sad thing is, okay, this game is quite brilliant. In a lot it of is. ways, the story is so annoying. Is the graphics are great all the way through. Uh, the animation's great all the way through. There are several sequences that involve. There's a sequence that's like a a, a three sort of like a Star Wars trench battle type shooting element is involved. Uh, there's other elements of, of of a certain degree, a certain level of action. There are elements in the game that require you to get something done quickly. There's like a like a timer, yeah. But, which you know, but I mean, still, it's interesting. Uh, the plot is quite interesting uh, that involves a sort of like revolutionary thing and a, and a prophecy that you're involved in and you're trying and there's once you get past the very beginning points of this and you get access to like a car like a space car then you can take this thing up and it's really neat there's a good effect on it you get to go drive it around in space uh, and and go to visit different planets and on the planets there's different parts of the planets you can go to it's I love that I liked all that stuff. But I knew in my heart of hearts, because I had to keep looking at hints, that there was a zero percent chance I had would have any idea uh where to go. Now, I'm not here to bury Universe, believe it or not. No, I'm this, not either. This is a game that I would you know, we know we have a lot of people that, that listen to the show or watch the show that are really into point and click adventure games, okay? If you're gonna say that something like um Amazon Queen is is like on the low end of difficulty for these sorts of games, and let's say uh, Curse of Monkey Island is somewhere in the middle, right? This is this is for your elite level point and clickers, okay? Well, these are the ones that have the most patience, the most time on their Mm -hmm. hands, and the most cunning. They could sit around and play that. And I think there's a has good It has nothing
1: to do with cunning.
0: Well, okay, fine. It has
1: nothing to do with cunning. It, ha- it it's if you are the type of person who will literally try everything and you get that dopamine hit when you get it right, this is an absolute great game for you because there are so many points where you're just trying stuff, trying stuff, trying stuff and then it works and you feel you feel good. You are like, "Okay, I've I've solved this part." give me the next challenge if that's what you're into and you want a want it with a good great graphics, great sound, uh and, and a decent story to kind of map it all out for you. Uh this is a perfect game for you. Yeah. And is this a game See, here's my here's my debate going yeah. into this. I know I did not give this game enough time. I I played it for probably Uh, Less than three hours total, and then I spent uh, about two hours or an hour and a half watching the playthrough, and I saw all the great characters that you meet. I saw all the fun extra bits that you get to do, and I, I, I watched all the story, and I was intrigued with it all. So I felt bad having a poor opinion on the game, knowing that more time needed to be put into it. However, after I thought about it more, while that is still a very valid argument, I did not enjoy the time I spent with the game while succeeding. And that, in my opinion, is what makes me unable to recommend this game except for the most hardcore point-and-click fans.
0: You know, I read that this game actually started off life as a sequel to the aforementioned uh, curse of Enchantia, all right. Before they, before Core decided to make its own thing, uh, I there, I, I all the stuff we've set aside. The, the I liked every part of this game aside from the actual controls and the horrible puzzles.
1: No, the the controls were fine. I don't well, you know what I mean in controls. terms. Of, I that, except they there could, were too many too many fair. options. Yeah, yeah.
0: The one thing that bothered me was that really the worst part of this game from a story perspective is the very beginning which is stupid. It almost, and the thing is, the the, your, the cavalier way that your character Boris goes through the game is dumb. It would have made oh, a lot more sense. a jerk. Yeah, he begs for it. And the thing is, he reminds me, of, like, he would have been better if they'd have cast him as, like, Mal from, like, Firefly. This, or Han Solo. That makes a lot, he would look sort of like Mal. You know, like, kind of this space smart aleck Who's like a, a you know going through the game and you that you could get behind that. I didn't like the opening of this game, but aside from that, that's the only thing I've got to say bad about the story. But again, everything else, I think Britt touched up the it, the uh, the puzzles are too hard and the controls are too there's too many. They could have gotten they could have made this like an Amazon Queen and you're not we're not getting into the point where you're combining stuff, which then it goes. I don't know how much yeah. of that you didn't get really do that because you didn't play that long. I got all the way out of the city onto the space car and and down to the planet on my second go around on the planet just b- before I ran out of time i mean i could i sat down and killed the first night i played this i killed hours bam i just and it was mostly frustrating as heck the yeah. second time i played it where i i i used my help sheet uh when i needed it and i had a lot more fun but you know it is what it is so there you go uh, I sh- this game only got a release on the Amiga and on the DOS. DOS, yeah. And, of yeah. course, I've got a little DOS. Uh, I've got a little comparison here. Hey, listen, they look pretty similar, you know? Oh, yeah. I didn't play the DOS version. I don't know what you're going to get from a DOS version that you're not getting from this. I mean, the Amiga version looks nice. You know, I'm assuming the DOS version, maybe they, it's, I mean, it, I'm assuming it's a 256K VGA uh, version. Uh, but uh, it looks very similar to the Amiga version. Brent mentioned Absolutely. the sound is good a- as well. Um, you know, I was looking at the reviews on Lemon for this. And all the it, Lemon gives this thing a 7.65 from all its users. And the people were very passionate. that really liked this game. And several of them t- claimed that they'd beaten it. Some claimed they'd beaten it after like 18 years of trying, which I believe that for once. Uh, so there, there is an audience out there for this game. Uh, if you, like I said, if you've got the patience for it, uh, I looked up some scores for this thing. The people over at Moby gave it a four point one out of five, so that's a pretty good score. Uh, Amiga Computing uh, gave it an eighty-five uh, percent. Amiga Magazine gave this a seven out of ten. CU Amiga gave it an eighty-seven. Uh, Games Master gave it an eighty-six. Amiga Joker with a very high eighty. Then you got a couple outliers here. Amiga Power gave this a 21, and Amiga Format gave it a 38. I actually looked up uh, the Amiga Power review, and the Amiga Power review—they didn't pull any punches, and they had plenty to say. And everything they said was a lot like what we said. Oh, there's there's a few added things that they mentioned that aren't really relevant now, but at the time they would have been a disaster. This is a five. disk game, and it didn't support hard drive installation in nineteen ninety four, and it didn't support secondary floppy drives. So, oh, yeah, and yeah, so and they they mentioned that Monkey Island supported these self same things, and it was out two years before this. Yeah, so they they condemned it for that. Plus, they didn't like the interface, like like we mentioned uh, on it. They also didn't like the nonsensical puzzles. You can see how you could kill a game based on those uh, on those criteria, uh, the Brent. Uh, we did get a, uh, at last count, we got one uh, review on this thing. It's from our good buddy, Ricky DeRocher. Uh, Ricky writes, Universe is a little known, but fun point-and-click adventure. My major criticism of the game would be that the control system is a little bit wonky. It's nowhere near as smooth to use as LucasArts' scum engine. And the fact that it was released in 1994 without any hard drive installation option or even the ability to use multiple floppy drives, it forces you to use DF0 only, is really irritating. Of course, nowadays, you can use WHD Load to get around this. Ricky gives it 8 out of 10. So, he's a big fan of, of that one, the Brent. Well, uh, I'm
1: not... You, you, can't, you can't have spent any time with this game and down people for enjoying it. Because if this is your type of game, if, I mean it's it's all here. The the total package is here. Yeah. So, and,
0: yeah, I agree. The uh the truth of the matter is it gives you the feeling that I like to get when I'm playing these games. It feels wide open and huge. You even get stuff like uh I like games that let you fool around with computer terminals. That's pretty fun, sort of like Neuromancer did. Uh, That's the worst part of the game, but yeah. But I mean, it's still neat that you have access. Like you're opening and closing stuff electronically, uh, and you're turning stuff on and off. It's kind of neat. I think that's kind of cool. Eventually, you steal credit cards and stuff. You're buying stuff. It's pretty funny. Again, there are so many puzzles that I didn't get to, but just watched. And I thought to myself, there's a 0% chance I would have ever even thought to do that. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those. But again, I'm not, a, people know I'm not what I would call a career and clicker. Uh, but uh, overall, I it's not what I would go back to. But it's, there's, it's not like it's a complete disaster. If you want to go look at the beautiful art, it's definitely worth checking out or at the bare minimum, watching a playthrough. All the songs for this are available on YouTube. If you want to just listen to the soundtrack it starts off with sort of this ambient space type soundtrack, but it it, it does change up quite a bit. It's quite nice. Um, yeah. But if you're like myself early in your career as a point and clicker, not for you, that's for darn sure. That's it up for you, Brent.
1: That's pretty much it, man. Okay. With all
0: that said the Brent, let's go ahead and see what's new on our amigos channel this week. We've been not super busy, but we have gotten a few things in this week, <clears throat> Brent. Let's start out. Tell the people what we got up to on ARG
1: this week. I don't remember, you idiot. It
0: was baby. <laughs> no, Joe. we played. Some, <laughs> we
1: we played some baby games, and those aren't games made by babies, nor are they game made for babies. <laughs> yeah. These are games that feature babies as the main protagonist, uh, and we looked at a, uh, a a couple good ones, I think. Uh, Baby Jojo. Baby Joe. Or, uh, just one Joe. Oh, is it just one Joe? Just one Man. Joe. I like it better with Jojo. You can't uh, change baby... the name arbitrarily. <laughs> <laughs> baby Joe and I I picked uh Baby Pac-Man and we we kind of did a deep dive into each of them and their strengths and weaknesses. Pretty fun show, I thought. Yeah, I had a good time uh with this with this episode. And I actually I
0: I kind of like the baby Joe. Despite its many many weaknesses, yeah, that's and exactly much the like same Baby way Pac-Man, I feel. They're both very similar. <laughs> they're ga- good games locked behind horrible ideas. Um, next on the docket here, Brent, myself in the boat uh, on, and this will probably be the last episode of 1200 XL for the foreseeable future. Uh, we did Star Trek Strategic Operations Simulator for the Atari 8 bits. Uh, this
1: game was great. You, do you remember this in the arcade? I do remember a Star Trek game like this in the arcade. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's the one with with the sit-down version, let you sit in Captain Kirk's chair. It was awesome. Vector game. Uh, The Atari version of this, Brent, actually expands on the arcade considerably. And overall, I found this to be a better game. Uh, It doesn't have the cool vector graphics or the audio cues from the arcade, including my personal favorite from Spock. Welcome aboard, Captain. He says that every time you put yeah. the core. I love that. Uh, but this was still fun, man. And I had a good time playing it. We both, me and Boat, both kind of put it over. Uh, so if you are interested in a Star Trek or interested in the Atari 8-bit line or just interested in hearing me and Boat talk about Star Trek, which we do quite a bit, check it out. That was the Star Trek Strategic Operation Simulator on the 1200XL, Brent.
1: You're not the biggest Trek fan, but you liked Next Gen, didn't you? I, I like the original and Next Gen. And Deep Space Nine, once it got... Once it stopped being just about the space station, was pretty fun, too. I agree with you on that. Hey... I even like some of Voyager, although it was
0: very hit and miss. I see you lost me. Now, tell the people your all-time favorite pinball machine.
1: Uh, well, we own it. Okay, your second favorite. Uh, probably Theater Match. Okay, third favorite. Oh, all right, Star Trek The Next Generation. That's
0: right, Star Trek. So, see, there you go. That was a great pinball machine. You like Theater of Magic more than Star Trek?
1: It's it's close. I'm it's surprised. It's close.
0: <clears throat> next on the big list, holy smokes, our good friend uh, Rob Flack O'Hara. This time around, he just got a bunch of games that have snow in the title. That's what was the show. And it, and it was enjoyable. I was... I was privy to this episode. I watched it live and live in color. He played uh, some demos with Snow. He also intermixed uh, very bad uh, Christmas film trailers into the mix, too. So you got to watch stuff like Jack Frost. Some of these other hor- elves was one he played. So there was a lot of, and it was all horrible schlock, you know, the kind of crap we like. Uh, he played Snowbots, as you see here. Played a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, If you like watching uh, B or C or D-level movie trailers in with your C64 snow games, this is the show for you. Of course, he had to get some winter games in. He's better at this than we are, the Brent, by the way. Uh, He did mention that we we had given this a shot. Hey, I did land one of those ski jumps on that game. Uh, So if you want to check out, this is the season. Tis the season to uh, enjoy some snow on your C64. With our good buddy Jack Flack and Sprite Castle. By the way, Brett, it's, it's funny that you're here. Uh, just last night, Flack released the latest version of "You Don't Know Flack," his podcast, entitled uh, uh, "Thanks for Giving." Yeah. And then he he wrote a note saying, "Oh yeah, I forgot that you guys use that for your thing." Or like, we don't care. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. We had we had a we had a fun discussion in the Discord. Which, if you aren't a member of our Discord channel, what are you doing? Get over there. We're having fun all the time. That's right. Uh, we, had a, we had a fun little back and forth in the Discord about it. Yeah, pitch it,
0: Brent. Now, I will say, I'll listen to this show today. And he, he had a very clever idea, which was he, he had all of his patrons write in that wanted to, so they could pitch their own projects and stuff. He's got all sort of liter, literary listeners that are like have books. Uh, one fellow writes his own text uh, games. That's got one coming out on Steam, which was great uh he's got uh professors like these world known professors and the guy one of his followers wrote a book it was called moral combat how violence in video games has been misconstrued something like that but i love the title moral combat yeah yeah so it's good check, make sure you check that out too that you don't know flack uh you can that's on uh, on jack's uh, own personal channel on youtube you can also download the podcast I think it's Rob If you're not listening, you don't know Flack and Sprite Castle. What the heck are you doing? Get out there and listen. They're both great. Now, speaking of great, the continuing Disney extravaganza from our good buddy uh, right here. There he is. Frodo NL. And he is playing all the hits from Disney. And on, in this particular episode, this is part two from the little mermaid through the lion King, uh, have you played a lot of these Disney games back in your childhood? The you were right. The way. I, I played
1: Aladdin. I played Lion King. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I've played probably more than you think. So almost uh, all the Mickey Mouse games on the Nest and Super Nest, I went through all those. Yeah. So yeah, I've played quite a few. Now let me ask you. You said you played the Lion King, right? Uh-huh. You know, me and Bo got into
0: a, game. an infamous an uh, infamous first tier battle about that game on this show. Boat said it was, and I believe, and he said this many times about many games, but he told me it was the best platform game on the Amiga, uh, and I told him I didn't like it that much, and he he was appalled. He well, no, it's a I. great
1: game. I don't know about on the Amiga. The Amiga is not where I played it. Well, I,
0: I I didn't think it was that good. See, I was hoping you could cast the decisive vote. So, and you did, and you agree with me. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, boat once again, you got taken to school, brother. Uh, Tune in next week for more wacky events on the old YouTube. The Brent. So,
1: let's
0: <laughs> let's, let's take this thing to the house, bro, with a few final announcements. I want to speak to. Uh, first off, uh, the Brent uh, Amigos will be back uh, for next week's show, which falls on Christmas Eve. The Brent, uh, yes. me and Boat will be releasing the show. we will probably going to tape the show live sometime this week at an undisclosed time. It's undisclosed because I don't know it. And I'm not even sure we're going to be playing a game or not. I've, <laughs> I, I, boat sort of left me in the dark there. But trust me, there will be a show. And if we, I mean, we're going to do something. And I'm it's not just going to be sure sitting what.
1: around in your underwear for three and a half hours, eating, yeah. Uh, yeah. eating beans and rice. We could just show what
0: I'm doing on Christmas Eve, which would be very similar to that, because I'll be clothed at someone's house. But yeah, that'll be. That's pretty much what I'll be doing. So that should be fun. uh What do we got coming up this week on ARG, the brand
1: We're going to be looking at the uh, Sinclair. Idiot. Oh, is it GL? Q-L, QL.
0: QL. GL is Green Lantern, you idiot. <laughs> Sinclair QL. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, we have uh, I have been it has, of, it has it has been very interesting to research yes and and emulate I might add I would I went around and around with the uh, with the Mister the other night trying to get my game to work uh, but uh, we'll be back with some of that uh, I want to mention that uh, coming up and I'm going to get the exact date on this uh, the Brent coming up January 29th at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It will be the International Computer Club. Uh, and we will be putting the sign-up sheets up this weekend when the boat gets back into town. He handles all this sort of thing. And so mark it on your calendar. Uh, it will be lots of fun. Now, coming up before that, and this is very important. Holy, We, don't, we haven't pitched this one time. You know, there's a lot of people. You know, uh, our buddies in the U.K. have been hit hard in the past week with the pandemics kicked them, kicked them around like jerks. And I I, I fear we may get some of that ourselves, but uh, we know a lot of people all over the world are going to be stuck at the pad uh, for new year's Eve. So let me cordially invite you to good Matt's new year's Eve extravaganza. We will be broadcasting live on new year's Eve from my buddy, good Matt's house. It's going to be a three-floor party town as we sing out all the classics while drinking and eating various chips and tacos. This is going to be a packed house party. We'll be broadcasting. It's going to be awesome, Brent. You're going to be there, yes. uh, presumably, maybe in a cast. I don't know. <laughs> and it will be fun. We've got people coming from out of town to this. I think Uncle Larry's going to show up. I know that Evil Matt's going to be here. He's one of our Patreons. He's coming to town. Uh, any thoughts
1: on the... I thought uh, we agreed to never put Evil Matt and Good Matt in the same room together. No, we agreed that they cannot kiss. because that Oh, would that's what it was. Yeah, That's what it was. Uh, but they can sing a
0: loving duet, which I'm hoping we'll get to see, you know, uh, something like that happen. Uh, yes, Bo will be performing, probably multiple performances, the brand. This will be sort of our test run for our karaoke rig. We'd planned on doing a karaoke night this month, but so far we haven't gotten it's Just it's tough in December to make it happen. So if we get this working, this is gonna how we're gonna do our karaoke nights going forward to get some stuff in from the from our uh, Patreon folks. Uh, but it and should just, be fun.
1: Just a note on that: if you don't watch it live uh, or you don't get it on a quick Twitch uh, uh, rewatch, these won't be going to YouTube. Because they will be stricken. They will be stricken yeah. like, like a, a huge hammer from the sky. That's true. So, In fact, good Matt's in the room right now, Blow Jellyfish.
0: Uh, and Blow Jellyfish is the man who's going to be hosting this this incredible party. Uh, and Britt's right. This is like, they'll never let us show that again, kids. That's yeah, it. That's it. Because we're going to be breaking all the rules. Because we're going to be singing all of your hits. We're going to be taking requests. We're gonna do whatever you want. It's gonna be awesome, and we're gonna help these various countries celebrate the New Year's in their area, uh, because we're gonna be starting this thing probably at six, seven o'clock p.m. and we're gonna run until it breaks. Is we're gonna run. You know, Aaron, the best way to
1: make yourself feel better is by looking at other people who feel worse. Well, <laughs> so that's I guess that's how we're helping them. That, listen, we're gonna have a good
0: time, and we want you to join us, please. Uh, if you are just chilling back at the pad on New Year's, feel free to pop in. Uh, say hi make some requests it will be on twitch much like this show is same exact uh, channel it should be a lot of fun uh we hope you will come out i think i think that's all we got the brand you got anything else to, before
1: we take the thing to the house now wait a minute aaron yeah you didn't mention once the amazing thing that's happening in june oh well see now here's the thing I, oh. I, i'm glad you mentioned that okay oh,
0: okay here we go so There's a little thing. You know, there was a little boy once. He'd never let me tell this story, but he's not here. There was a little shy boy once. He was a nerdy little lad. He probably had his top button button like yourself. And he had one dream. One special dream. And his dream was to host an international gathering of retro gaming enthusiasts at an event in his hometown named in his honor. And... It came to pass. He wished upon a star, a shooting star, and lo, Boat Fest honed into view, the Brent. Yeah. Boat Fest. It's coming. It's coming in June. Now, Boat said, listen, he said, we're not going to we're not gonna pitch Boat Fest every week. It's so far away. You know, there's no reason to keep going on about it, but I disagree. And I'm going to work it into every show because it's Boat Fest. The tickets are flying out of this joint, uh, the Brent. And if you're going to be, if you happen to be in West Virginia on the 24th to 25th of June 2022, then you need to come to Boat Fest, at Kirk in West Virginia at the Holiday Inn Express is where it's going down. It's going to be good times. An international cast of dozens will descend uh, on Hurricane, including hopefully, if everything goes well, our good buddy Frank from Richard Rewind to be down uh, doing his thing. We're going to be doing all kinds of crazy stuff, including shooting all of our shows live at Boat Fest in front of a studio audience, Brent. Uh, I suspect you'll be getting hit with ripe tomatoes, my friend, for your performances. Yeah, and I'm sure they'll throw money at me. Uh, But that should be a good time. Any thoughts on Boat Fest, Brent, since you brought it up?
1: I uh, I am unusually excited about Boat Fest. You know me, Aaron. I'm a pretty mellow guy when it comes to my excitement levels. That's true. You you're someone you get excited about everything. That's you feel Mountain ch- Dew in your lap. You're you think it's the best thing ever. Yeah, you're thinking cool, refreshing. I'm ready to go. Hmm. Me, literally the uh, you know the the biggest times of my life. I look at it, I'm like meh. You know that's pretty cool. Yeah, like, outside of like getting married or a, a few other choice events. Hosting host mean, this pretty, show, I'm pretty even keel, right? Yeah. That's right. I'm excited about Boat Fest. Well, that's day. And I, I cannot wait to uh, uh, meet the people that are able to come out and even just broadcast uh, live shows to the uh, uh, dozens of people watching at home. I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for this Boat Fest thing to happen.
0: Well, we're excited that you're going to be there, Brent. I mean, someone's got to park the cars. All right. Anyways, let's take it to the house. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back. Uh, sometime this week, and you'll be hearing us on Christmas Eve for Big Amigos, Christmas Spectacular. Uh, Join us also Sunday for ARG Presents. Uh, Brent, thanks for hosting for the boat this week. We appreciate you, and we will catch you guys again next week. And until then,
1: adios. adios.